As you can see, my, I have chosen as my topic, keys to aging. And there are some keys to aging and you can uh, learn what these are and slow down the aging process. So far as I know, there isn't anyone who has ever found the fountain of youth, even though there have been many who have looked for it. Uh, but so far as I know, nobody has ever found it. And uh, so we can all expect to age and we can all expect that eventually we will reach our, the end of our aging. And uh, if that should be the interest that you have, then I hope that you will listen to some of the things that I have to say. The first thing, you will notice that the item number one is to cut your calorie intake by about 30 to 50% after you reach a certain age. Now, that reaching this certain age, there's no magical number about it, but uh, when you begin to feel that you're slowing down, then at that point you should start cutting your calories. And notice that I did say up to 50%. You can cut even more than that, and some of the animal studies indicate that if you cut more than that, you will even live longer. Now the next thing is that uh, uh, the, there's an increase in vitamin E intake in people who are going to live much longer. And uh, that uh, you, you can get vitamin E, don't get it from a pill. You can, of course, get it from uh, the drugstore, but I would like to invite you to get it from your groceries, from the, your food. And some of the things that can help you are wheat, nuts, flaxseed, green leafy vegetables, and that will result in a 30% uh, reduction in death rate in many people, all causes. That's whether even with such things as murder and suicide, this is all-cause disease, and uh, that will reduce your likelihood of having, uh, the, having, the, having an early death. Now, uh, let's discuss some of these things that have a lot of vitamin E. Wheat is, of course, one of those, but notice that that is wheat. It is not refined wheat. And so if, you're, if you want to get the very best from your food, get the whole grains. When I speak of whole grains, or when I speak of a grain, whether it be wheat or oats or barley or millet or whatever, when I'm speaking of grains, it is whole grains. Those are the real grains. Now there are some grains that uh, come in a uh, reduced form. That is, they are not uh, very helpful uh, to the body. They do give energy, but they don't have all the nutrients in it that you can have if you will uh, take the whole grain. So I, I would like to encourage you, only eat whole grains. And then high, have a high intake of beta carotene. Beta carotene is uh, the half molecule of vitamin A. So if you, ha if you, if you need vitamin A, that means for skin, for hair, for eyes, for uh, general health, vitamin A can be obtained from beta carotene. Beta carotene is uh, obtained from green leafy vegetables. Most people don't, don't know about that. They think only carrots and other yellow fruits and vegetables will give them beta carotene, but you can get that certainly very well from uh, dark greens any kind of greens, even such things as purslane, you can get it from that as well. Um, you should avoid drugs, that's pharmaceuticals. Now drugs represent the fourth leading cause of death, probably in the world, but especially in the United States. Uh, but drugs are dangerous for the health, and we should always think of that that even when we're going to go down to the drugstore and get something that's over the counter, we should still recognize that this is a powerful chemical and that it can cause you to have uh, your, a loss of uh, your life and certainly a weakening of your immune system and a reduction in your life. Then another thing, take an apple or a kiwi or a cup of blueberries or many other good fruits that are highly colored, these will give you a good lease on life. And you will find that this will increase your health. 
It will increase your immune system and uh, make things so that you work, your body works very much better. And uh, obey all the natural laws of health. Uh, these are those things like nutrition, but also like fresh air, a lot of water, both inside and out, and, uh, the, and that the water that you take can uh, be fresh water, not uh, the kind of water that has a lot of uh, additives in it or contamination in it. Uh, and then such things like sunlight, and let me get to that next, and that is controlled sunning. Controlled sunning will help you to live longer. Controlled sunning will make it so that you have less cancer. And someone may say, but less cancer of everything except for skin cancer will give me skin cancer. And the answer is no. Even skin cancer is less likely to afflict you if you have controlled sunning. Now, what does that mean? That means that when you get into the sun, it is enough for your skin. That doesn't mean enough for my skin or someone else's skin, but know who you are and what your skin is like, and then you can make a decision as to how long you should stay in the sun and get the exposure to it. So let me encourage you with all of these laws of health. Rest is another one, and I'd like to mention a couple of things about rest. One is that you should uh, take your rest before midnight if you can. The rest that you get before midnight is worth roughly twice the rest that you get after midnight. And so resting is by all means that most important of health principles. It is one that gives you uh, a hormone called growth hormone. And growth hormone is uh, something that adults need as well as children. Adults need it to grow, uh, children need it to grow, but adults need it so that they can be organized, so that they can be cheerful, so that they can keep their desks clean, so that they can remember uh, their schedules. Lots of good things growth hormones do for us, and a number of other hormones are also dependent on growth hormone. Keep intellectually active. Intellectual activity can uh, keep your mind bright can keep your memory vibrant, can make it so that you uh, run a few other uh, parts of your uh, anatomy and physiology much better uh, because this will help you to get uh, a, a wide variety of other hormones uh, going well. Now let's take the next one. What things change with age? Some things do change with age. One tends to slow down a bit. As we get older, we tend to uh, not be as strong as we once was. But um, a number of other things happen also as we get older. One is that personality may actually improve. People may get a bit more vibrant. They may get also uh, a bit more uh, personable. They may be more uh, healthy uh, in their uh, personality. So these things are, may actually get a little better, but certainly personality does not greatly change. That is, you do not ordinarily become depressed or uh, out of sorts or uh, not pleasant to be around. The personality generally keeps about the same. Vocabulary continues to grow as you get older. That's a very nice thing to know, that uh, you don't have to lose your vocabulary as you get old. Vocabulary can uh, increase almost day by day. Also, memorization can also be better as one gets older, so that as people get older, they can memorize the scriptures better. You may not have known that before, but that's a, a great thing to know. Reasoning and problem solving, that may be maintained right into advanced old age and should not uh, be any worse than it ever has been. Memory declines, that's true, but what is remembered is remembered as accurately as ever. But now I'd like to point this out, and that is no matter who you are or what age you are, even my 10-year-old grandson, uh, is he has a problem with his memory as well. 
uh, I can tell him to do something and he says, Grandmother, uh, you told me to do something and I've forgotten what it was. And it may not have been more than 10 minutes ago. And so even when you're a very young person, you may still uh, lose your memory. So that it, that it may happen when you're older, that's no surprise. But that does not mean that you're getting Alzheimer's disease or senile dementia or something else. It may be just that your memory declines just like anybody's does. Uh, next year, you may not remember some of the things that are very bright in your memory right now. Vigorous activity should be enjoyed right up until you're in your advanced old age, like in, into your advanced 80s and the like. Now, what are, what are some predictors of aging? Some things that you may find will help you to know whether you are aging or not. One of those things is climbing stairs. Can you climb stairs as well as you always have? Or maybe just with a little bit of, of uh, uh, effort, you can become even a little better at climbing stairs than you were, say, 10 years ago? And what about walking half a mile? Walking half a mile uh, may be uh, easy for you, but it may not be easy. If you can walk half a mile and uh, uh, still be able to carry on a conversation with someone without a lot of effort, that may be a sign that you're not aging rapidly. On the other hand, if you cannot walk half a mile without undue fatigue, this may mean that uh, you need to work on your health or you can expect that your health is not going to maintain itself. You should be able to walk at a normal speed. You should not have to slow down as you get older, but you should be able to walk at a normal speed. You should be able to walk up a hill or upstairs or find your seat in a meeting. You should be able to do that with the same kind of uh, speed that you always have. Now, what about arising easily from a chair? That isn't, diff that isn't easy for most people. And uh, so I will tell you a little in a moment uh, what you should be able to do at each age after the age of 50. Maintaining your balance. Can you maintain balance without holding on to a railing or uh, without uh, holding on to a chair or some other thing that may help you to hold your balance? So let me encourage you to learn to be a well-balanced person uh, physically. 70-year-olds in the middle range are of, uh, of the strength of the things that I have mentioned to you. 70-year-olds uh, are 75% more likely to become disabled in the next four years than those who are in the highest range, whose physical health was the very best. And uh, so, of course, we want to be in that group. Now, those who are the least well-favored in age are those who are in the least, uh, in the less, the lowest scale with these items of strength that I have just mentioned. In fact, they are 400 times more likely to become disabled in the next four years than those in the highest. So those are things that can help us to know whether we are in good shape or we need to work on our health. Now, uh, chair stands that I mentioned a bit ago, from a straight back chair without using the arms, that means you're seated and you just hold your arms up like this and rise from the chair without any assistance, no pushing up from here, no pushing up from the seat, no pushing up from your knees. A 50-year-old should arise 30 times in 30 seconds. What about a 60-year-old? A 60-year-old should arise 20 times in 30 seconds. A 70-year-old should arise 15 times in 30 seconds. And an 80-year-old should be able to arise 10 times in 30 seconds. If you can't do that, that may mean that you have a problem. Now some psychological factors that uh, predict aging. The first one is conscientiousness in childhood. Were you a conscientious child when your parents told you to do something? Were you willing to do it? And did you do it with uh, a desire and with completeness? 
those people tend to live the longest, so that's good. Another thing is controlled personality. There are certain things that we do that we should be controlled in. One of those things is our love of music. If when we uh, hear music, we cannot refrain from standing up and down and dancing around and waving the arms and this kind of thing, that is a sign that you might age quickly. So uh, maladjustments of any kind, maladjustments to life, to, uh, the, your, to your own uh, aging or whatever, any kind of maladjustment, maladjustment to your class, to your neighbors, to your family, any kind of maladjustment does indicate a factor of aging. Marriage stability, the more stable your marriage, the greater the likelihood that you will live to advanced old age. <clears throat> then volunteer work. Number of studies have been done showing that volunteer work is uh, likely to give you uh, additional years of life. One or two hours a week only can give you several years of additional life. I like that, that idea. Controlled emotional response to a variety of things, like music that I mentioned, but also to irritations and annoyances. If you do not have control over your, uh, your emotions, over your anger, over those things that have to do with uh, the way that you live with people, if you do not have a controlled emotional response to life, it is unlikely that you're going to live to advanced old age. Now there are some nutritional factors that I'd like to mention. First is folic acid. And I'd like to tell you what folic acid is. Most people know that that's a thing that comes in a pill, and that's true, it does. But it also comes in our food. And some of the food that we need to have daily, or almost daily, is that that contains folic acid. Now if you know anything at all about Latin, you will know that folia means page or leaf. And so the nutritionists in an early age, when they first discovered folic acid, they found it in leaves, and so they called it the vitamin of leaves, or the nutrient of leaves. And so it is, it, is, it does come from leaves, so we get a lot of folic acid from leaves, and folic acid should be taken every day. Folic acid can be found in many other things, uh, but uh, uh, you will find that you especially need folic acid if you have certain conditions. One condition is that of homocysteine. Homocysteine may be a word that you've never heard. Certainly until about 10 or 15 years ago, almost no one had ever heard of homocysteine as being a physical condition or a mental condition. But uh, folic acid uh, is especially likely to, a uh, folic acid deficiency, may be especially likely to occur in people who are on the pill, people who are pregnant, people who have a low a high homocysteine, or uh, people who have certain other conditions. All of these may need more folic acid. And if you need more folic acid, eat more greens. Soybeans. Soybeans uh, do a number of things for us. Soybeans will help us with uh, uh, will slow down the aging process. It will slow osteoporosis. And if you already have osteoporosis, it will keep it from getting a lot worse. That's a good thing to know. And uh, uh, soybeans will also help you if you have kidney disease. And taking a little protein from soybeans, not as the protein, the highly purified protein derivative of soy, but from the soybean itself, if you have the soybean itself and take a quarter cup of cooked soybeans, whole soybeans, this will help you to build uh, your kidney disease. So if you have a low functioning kidney and your creatinine is creeping up year by year, your BUN is going up year by year, and your glomerular filtration rate is going down year by year, 
you can expect that you may have dialysis somewhere in your future and you can prohibit that by a number of things that you can do and one thing is quarter cup of soybeans another thing that's per day another thing is drink plenty of water drinking water helps to flush the kidneys and to keep the kidneys youthful and uh, and healthy keep your immune system high that means doing all these things are the laws of health having a good lifestyle eating your whole grains uh, sleeping well getting a nap when you're tired or in the middle of the day I'm sure that somebody is not going to like me for saying that but that is a fact tests have been uh, done which show that people who get a nap at least three times a week during the day that they enjoy life for a much longer period of time and uh, so that's a good thing to know vitamin E we mentioned that before but vitamin E can be uh, can help you with a number of very good things one thing is that it reduces the brown pigment in your nerves well since the brain is a part of the nerves and we get as we get older a brown pigment and the less good food that you take the less food that you take that is good the more junk food you take the more brown pigment you will develop in your nervous system your brain and your entire nervous system including your peripheral nerves that uh, move your extremities all of your nerves get more brown pigment if you don't have enough vitamin E acetyl L-carnitine this also reduces the brown pigment in the nervous system and that helps you not to get uh, aging of the brain I think of all those things that we fear the most besides cancer probably as our number one fear but with our health the thing that we uh, really fear the most is probably that of Alzheimer's or losing our minds and so anything that will reduce this brown pigment will help us a lot uh, citrus pectin uh, know that the pectin in citrus is largely located in the fibrous part and not in the cellular juicy part and so we need to get plenty of that that means actually eating the uh, citrus itself and not just juicing uh, the citrus or, or buying the orange juice and Florida Citrus Commission is very uh, adept at helping you know that it is good that uh, you drink orange juice and that may be but it is also true that the flavones and the flavopectins a large part of those are in the white part of the citrus and so eat plenty of that now red bell pepper red bell pepper is high in vitamin C high in B vitamins high in a number of antioxidants has many different compounds that make uh, life youthful and make it so that your brain stays youthful and so that you can uh, live longer one study was done in rats they gave a certain percentage of the rats diet as red bell pepper and they found that these uh, rats could learn to walk through a maze much quicker than those who did not take the red bell pepper now the way they made them take it was that they uh, simply uh, took the red bell pepper dehydrated it and ground it up and put it in their food and they had to take it so they knew they were eating it if they were eating the food they had to eat the bell pepper blueberries one cup of blueberries will greatly increase the likelihood that you'll live longer and will help you greatly in uh, making your uh, life better antioxidants reduce aging <clears throat> and where do you get antioxidants of course from fruits and vegetables and many foods in the what we might call the vegan uh, group of foods and uh, you also get antioxidants from vitamins C and selenium and uh, and and um, a vitamin A and vitamin D all these are places where you can get antioxidants now lifestyle factors in aging uh, may include such things as the avoidance of certain solvents 
and there are a number of these solvents that you can easily avoid. Gasoline sniffing should not be a part of your system at all, uh, and many other solvents, even those solvents that we use to clean house with, many of these will increase the risk of your aging. One study was done showing that uh, women who uh, clean their homes with the, uh, shall we say, the best or the worst of the solvents, these were more likely to live less long than those who used uh, just ordinary uh, soaps in their uh, cleaning, uh, their clean, house cleaning. Then weak joints will also uh, run a risk for you to uh, make your life less long. And how does that occur? Well, it's pretty easy. If you have weak joints, you're not going to be able to have as good a, a balance as you could have if you had good strong bones, uh, bones and joints. And uh, you're also more likely to fall if you have weak joints or weak muscles. And uh, if you have these weak extremities, then you will fall and you are more likely to fall. And if you fall and have a broken bone, that may be your very first downward slope in, uh, to death. So uh, get plenty of, uh, plenty of um, exercise so that you can keep your bones and joints and muscles strong. Now, exercise also helps you to have good uh, lung function. If you can uh, take a big breath and blow out a whole uh, cake full of candles, that's pretty good. And especially if you're over the age of 50 and you can blow out 50 candles or more, that's very good. And it's likely that you're going to live longer because of the fact that uh, you could blow out all these candles. That means your lung function is good. Keep your lung function good by plenty of exercise. Walk up a hill. When you walk up the hill, breathe in deeply through your nose and out through the nose. You breathe in through the nose to prevent things from polluting the insides of your lungs. And you breathe out through the nose so that you can retain uh, the uh, moisture that you would otherwise have lost. And also so that you can uh, warm the uh, inhaling passages so that when you breathe in again, you air condition and warm the blood, the air that's coming into your lungs. The lungs are filled with a meshwork of capillaries, and these capillaries will make it so that you can uh, uh, um, take in oxygen and give off carbon dioxide. Exercise also improves coordination, so that when you walk, you are more coordinated. When you do anything, you are more coordinated. We should practice such things as these little bouncing balls on a paddle. Uh, the, uh, many of the Asians buy these little balls not for their children, but for their elderly, and train them to uh, bounce this ball just one time after the other after the other. And they have to look, have to watch where they're going, have to move the paddle around so that they keep the, the ball in the air. And if you can learn to do that, uh, chances are pretty good you'll be well coordinated. Exercise strengthens the muscles to prevent falling, as, as I mentioned. Now here's another lifestyle factor that you may not have thought of, and that's spinach. Spinach, taken four or five times a week, maintains coordination, that's a good thing, and balance, that also helps you not to fall, supports the eyes, and parts of the brain. So there are many good things that can happen if you eat spinach. Well, I don't like spinach. It's all right, you can eat other greens, and the other greens will also do the same thing as spinach. Uh, one lady told me that she had been unable to pass the driver test, and her son told her that if she ate spinach at least five times a week, that it might help her eyes to in increase their strength enough that she could get her driver license again. So she did that very thing six months later. She took her driver test again and was awarded a driver test, a driver license. So it might be that you would have the same kind of good experience. Okay, let's take the next thing. I uh, love talking about this, especially to those who are very thin, 
like many in this audience are, but I also feel it my duty to talk with those who are not very thin. If your BMI, your body mass index, is over 25, you have serious health concerns already in your schedule, it's coming. And so what can you do if you have a BMI over 25? It's take the horse by the ears and make a decision. I'm going to make a change. Now, how do you do that? It's through prayer, through decision, and through a certain uh, program that you, play, that you put in place for yourself. Let's say you have a problem overeating. You just keep on eating after everybody else has finished. Then what you should do is to take your plate, put it on a tray with everything you're going to take for that meal. Nothing else is going to be allowed. You take that tray to a place away from the dining room and away from the kitchen, nowhere near the refrigerator. And everything that is not going to be eaten for that meal should be put away. Take your tray outside and then go into a back door to get to the bathroom after your tray is finished. You've eaten all that's on it. You're not going to go back to get more. And go into the bathroom and brush your teeth. If you will do these two things, eat away from the serving area and the cooking area and the refrigerator and brush your teeth right after you're finished with it, you will find you're much less likely to nibble. Now, what should your BMI be? Well, apparently, maybe the ideal is from 18 to 22. If yours is a little under 18, that's probably all right too. Even people who are down to 15 may be fine uh, the B, for the BMI, that's the body mass index. And uh, you can uh, certainly uh, achieve that if you simply try. Make the determined effort and uh, go after it. And uh, it's also good if you have a buddy. Have a buddy who is going to be with you at every meal time. That means that your buddy is either going to call you, what did you eat? And you have to report. Or they're going to tell, call you and report what they eat, ate so that you can check on one another. You can be responsible to one another. And that is more helpful than one might think. Now, if you just look online, you can find out how to check your BMI. I also have it here on the slide if you would like to, to uh, know what that is. Now, you can, uh, uh, you can uh, there's an alternate way to measure your BMI, but uh, let me just tell you that for most people, there's a simple rule of thumb that will help you. And it is for your first five feet, you get 100 pounds. If you're a woman, for every uh, one inch thereafter, you get five pounds. So it's for the first five feet, 100 pounds. Next inch, if you're a woman, it's five pounds. Next inch, it, it will be 10 from 100 then it would be 110 if you're five feet two. If you're five feet five, what would you need to be to be ideal weight? About 125. And so you can figure it in that way. Now what about for a man? Again, they get uh, 100 pounds for the first five feet. Then they get six or seven pounds per inch thereafter, depending on how muscular they are. So if it's a very muscular person, that person can get as much uh, as seven pounds per inch, but that's about it. Uh, big bone, big muscles, only one more pound per inch. So don't feel that uh, you can, uh, can get 10 pounds because you're, uh, you, you have uh, much heavier bones. One third of Americans over 50 are chronically dehydrated. Let me just tell you about one story. A group of researchers uh, checked out some medical school students, those who were in medical school at the time. Now they uh, perceived that medical students were health people uh, wrongly. They are not normally health people. Uh, they are normally abusers of the health in almost every way. Uh, and one of them is by being chronically dehydrated. Uh, they found that 27% uh, 
of the medical interns and, and uh, students were already dehydrated when they were checked. If you are dehydrated, you have a number of things that are likely to be um, more uh, likely to be in your future. One is kidney stones. Another is reduced strength and endurance. And this is especially true for women. And I'd like to encourage women, especially at the time of periods, when uh, they are likely to be losing fluid, not only uh, in the menstrual fluid, but also in the skin and in the eyes. And some women tend to get a little bit uh, more talkative at the time of their periods. And so every, for every hour that you talk, you lose eight ounces of fluid. Well, that has to come from your blood. Your blood uh, sort of keeps you stiffened out in uh, your extremities and makes it so that you feel more energetic and, uh, uh, and you're happier. So in this way, uh, you can keep yourself stronger if you simply uh, keep plenty of water on board. Many women will set what they're going to take upstairs on the lowest step of the uh, stairs, and then they get a whole pile of things before they go upstairs one time. If you happen to be uh, overweight, go upstairs every, uh, every time you have something to go, and go up as fast as you can. Uh, if you have weak muscles, especially weak legs, don't, don't save up that uh, uh, trip upstairs. Go immediately and uh, take it upstairs. And go up fast, it's true, then come down as slowly as you can. Because coming downstairs slowly uh, in, uh, strengthens your muscles much better. There's an increased risk of stone, uh, of some cancers, especially cancers of the urinary tract, but also cancers of all glandular uh, organs, such as the lungs, the liver, the skin, all things, all kinds of glandular structures in the body that require uh, ex exudation of a fluid for their uh, functioning. These. Uh, glandular organs are more likely to get uh, a, a cancer. <coughs> now there are some uh, cancer, there are some people who get an increased risk of strokes. Strokes are more likely to occur in people who uh, are dehydrated, who have a natural proneness to getting a thrombosis, such as those who have, uh, who ha have a high fat diet a high-fat diet is going to cause a person to uh, be more prone to clotting blood inside their blood vessels. So uh, leave off the fat if you are prone to clot your blood inside your blood vessels and get plenty of water. Also eat um, plenty of foods that are high in folic acid, which will also reduce your likelihood of getting a thrombosis. There are especially some uh, some other cancers that are likely to occur in, uh, uh, in dehydration, and one of those is, of course, the prostate, another is the uh, breast, another is uh, the colon. All of these uh, require us to have plenty of hydration in order to avoid these. Lubrication of the joints is another thing that is uh, that requires plenty of water. Now just think about this. We often think that since uh, mechanical wheels and mechanical axle, axles require grease, that our own joints require grease, but they don't. They require liquid. Uh, our joints are lubricated by synovial fluid. This synovial fluid is watery, almost 100% water. And if your joint is hurting, if your knee is hurting, if your ankles hurt, or your fingers hurt, or you have a crick in the back or a crick in the neck from muscles, from muscles not functioning well, drink a glass full of water every 10 minutes for an hour. And it's very likely that the pain will go away, the crick in the neck will go away, the joint will stop uh, hurting you. Now some other lifestyle factors. 
Here is one that you probably never thought of, maybe you didn't even know. Poor chewing may cause brain cell loss. Did you know that before? Probably not. It was only discovered, I think, about five or six years ago when they found that chewing your food well will cause you to produce more dopamine. Dopamine is a, a neurohormone, and the, these neurohormones sort of all work together and may make you so that you're less likely to have uh, a problem with your brain. High protein diets, that's another one. First one was chew your food well, small bites, chewed well, eaten slowly, that's the way to eat. But then another thing is high protein diets. High protein diets are so customary in American diets that we can say that protein is the toxin of Americans. Another way to state that is that most Americans are protein toxic. Ooh, that doesn't sound very good. But I have always thought that you're supposed to eat a lot of protein. And the answer is no, we have been wrong in teaching that. So now we're teaching don't eat too much protein. Protein can oxidize and can then become a big problem for you. Oxidized protein is more likely to occur from animal products than from products of plant-based diet. So get your protein from a plant-based diet as the most healthful diet that we can have. Glutamine synthetase is also, uh, that's um, something that we need very much and we can um, help to uh, encourage long life if we get glutamine synthetase. That uh, tends to break down some of the neurotransmitters and uh, so it's a, a great help to be uh, uh, in our diet. Abnormal protein, an abnormal protein called amyloid, this protein is uh, one that deposits in the brain. And the next time I talk with you, I will talk with you about the brain and brain health, and I will talk more specifically about amyloid. Amyloid is a result of protein materials. It's a sort of a glycoprotein, meaning that it's both from uh, carbohydrates as well as from protein, and uh, this can deposit in the brain because it isn't broken down nicely, and this deposit in the brain can then uh, cause you to be unable to transmit nerve impulses from one uh, brain cell to another. Let's take some other lifestyle factors, and one is calorie restriction. If you reduce the calories as I mentioned in the beginning, you will find that you're, you're, you will live longer. Now, um, I think that probably every item that I have mentioned here, somebody in medical science has disagreed with that. But on this point, so far as I know, there is not yet anyone who disagrees on this one point, and that is reduce your calories and it will lengthen your life. Uh, most all the aging experts are uh, quite agreed on that. The fewer the calories, the longer the life, the more youthfulness you have. Rodents who were given 40% less calories live 30% longer life. Severely restricted, they had a 50% longer lifespan than those who were on an ad-lib diet. They could eat any time they wished. 30% reduction lowers cholesterol in the in in the blood and the blood pressure it also lowers your risk of getting heart disease now the question of excitotoxins excitotoxins is a very controversial topic some people strongly believe in avoiding all excitotoxins and some say you can eat some and some say don't eat any so let's define first what excitotoxins are these are substances that have uh, glutamate in them, such as monosodium glutamate, uh, yeast, um, various things that have amino acids in them as flavoring agents, and soy sauce. All of these have excitotoxins or glutamates in them. And many, many other things 
have the uh, uh, excitotoxins in them. And the theory is that they excite the nerve cells so much that they become so overstimulated that they die from the overstimulation. It may be that this is a fact. My own personal attention of way of looking at this thing is that the uh, if you eat a little, like a little salt, you can eat a little excitotoxins or a little soy sauce or a little Braxaminos or some other thing of this nature. Just like salt, you can have a little salt and a little of it is a natural in the body. Glutamate is a natural in the body. Now, highly processed foods, fermented foods and refined proteins, these are all places where you would expect to get excitotoxins. How do we like our food? Well, as fermented foods, as highly processed foods, and as refined proteins. So uh, human nature being what it is, it tends to be what we like that is the most likely thing to make us uh, so that we're not uh, healthy. Okay, let's go to the next thing, and these are blood chemistry factors, and I've tried to mention a number of things, lifestyle factors, psychological factors, strength factors, and so forth, and now let's take blood chemistry factors. If your homocysteine is up, then all-cause disease is also likely to be up. Uh, homocysteine is a byproduct, an amino acid, in the uh, production of cysteine from the thiamine. So as that goes to cysteine, there are several steps along the way, and one of those is homocysteine. If you do not have enough power and strength to push that process all the way through from methionine to cysteine, then you will probably stop the process at homocysteine. Homocysteine is a toxin in the body, and it is a, a thing that is likely to intoxicate all parts of the body so that all-cause mortality goes up as your homocysteine goes up. How do you find out what your homocysteine is? It's only by a chemistry test. Now, I say that if you have, if you're accustomed to getting a physical exam every year as an annual physical, and that's something you religiously do because you think you're supposed to, and you don't have the money to get both a physical exam and a laboratory exam, then I say get the laboratory exam, not the physical exam, because you do a physical exam on yourself every day. Think of it, you're uh, feeling yourself here, or you're functioning with some part of your body here or there, or this part doesn't function well, or I don't swallow well, or can't talk well, or whatever it is that you may have that's wrong with you, you're doing that physical exam on yourself every day. So I say go ahead and get the chemical exam because, or the lab exam because you cannot know what your homocysteine is in any other way except by getting a laboratory test. You cannot know what your white blood cell count is unless you get a blood, a blood cell count. You cannot know what your kidney functions are or what your liver functions are unless you get a lab test. So I say it's more important to get the lab test. Now another thing is uh, insulin resistance. Oh, before I go to there, let's go to iron. Is your iron elevated? Now women are so accustomed to being told, your iron is down, you're anemic, you need to get iron. They're accustomed to hearing it so much so that when they get to be 55 or 60, and the hemoglobin goes up to about 14 grams, they say, ah, that's good, but that is not good. We now know that the, the ideal hemoglobin level for a woman over the age of 50 is probably about 12 to 13.3 or 13.5, not up to 14, although many laboratories will say that a woman could have up to 16 grams and still not be overweight uh, in iron. But I say that long before that, 
she is already acting with her iron as a pro-oxidant. A pro-oxidant is something that accelerates the rate at which we age. And you know that all of our health talks are on antioxidants. And so fruits and vegetables, low, which are low in iron usually, these are more likely to be helpful for you than uh, is a high iron content. So keep the iron down. How can you do that if it's already up? One is by walking, plentifully walking, and another is by eating garlic. Garlic is also, especially raw garlic, garlic will help you to keep your iron down. Now let's go to insulin resistance. Insulin resistance means that your cells have come to the place where they do not produce insulin receptors. And so your insulin goes up, attaches itself to a molecule of glucose and would take it into the cell if it can find a receptor or what we might call a port of entry. So it goes to a port of entry, looks for it, doesn't find it, and so it turns away with the glucose with it. So your blood sugar goes up, but your insulin level goes up as well. When insulin goes up, so does your risk of uh, heart attack, high blood pressure, strokes, cancer, diabetes. All of these go up as insulin resistance or the port of entry for the insulin. As that goes down, then these other things go up and you're more likely to have uh, crippling disease. Now the next thing I'd like to mention is that of adequate growth hormone. Growth hormone for adults is very important for us. It makes things run better. We're happier, we're less likely to be depressed. We're more likely to be well organized and energetic. And so what can you do to make your growth hormone uh, in good shape? Well, here's the only way that we know, and that is going to bed early. How early? Well, at least three hours before midnight. That means by about nine o'clock. If you can get into bed by nine o'clock, you'll get a good little bit of growth hormone. If you do not get into bed before midnight, you will not get growth hormone that day because growth hormone is only produced during sleep and only produced during the early part of the night. And by midnight, it's almost all gone or your ability to produce it or release it is almost all gone. And uh, so that's, uh, that's something that's a help to you. So the uh, next thing that we'll talk about is, is going to be, um, next slide please, would you give us the next slide? I have not, I've, yes, there we go. Anti-aging herbs, do you know about those? Well, let's take a few. First is ginkgo. If you have a memory loss and you take ginkgo, it is quite likely that you will have a better memory than you had before. So that's good. Uh, so you can take ginkgo. It is not toxic, so you can take it uh, ad lib. It also has a little antioxidant property, anticoagulant property, and uh, it, is, uh, it has an anti-cancer property. So it has many good uh, herbal properties. Flaxseed and its oil. Flaxseed is a uh, thing that can help you uh, to uh, have an anti-inflammatory uh, action for yourself. Flaxseed is one of the best of the anti-inflammatories that I know. <clears throat> uh, another another anti-inflammatory is that of uh, white willow bark. That's a good one. One of the best in the world is understood now to be uh, turmeric. Turmeric is that yellow spice that uh, Indian cuisines use a lot, and we can use it a lot in American cuisines and in many other others. Or you can simply take it, half teaspoonful with every meal. Now, you can know if you're taking too much turmeric if your stomach begins to ache a little bit, and that is the stomach itself uh, it may irritate your stomach a little bit. That is in some people, not everybody, but some people will get that. 
uh, and uh, turmeric uh, used in your food uh, can help you to have an anti-cancer property constantly uh, in your lifestyle. Uh, it is believed that one of the reasons why certain groups of Indians, East Indians, certain groups of them have very little in the way of certain cancers can uh, make it so that they, uh, is because they eat so much in the way of turmeric. Flaxseed can be taken two tablespoons full, freshly ground, I'd like to point out that. You should not get the already bought and ground flaxseed, that's not, that's not proper. You will not get the anti-inflammatory pro uh, properties, you will also not get the omega-3 fatty acids from flaxseed, which is one thing that we really depend on for omega-3 fatty acids. You will not get that if it's already ground and you've got it sitting on the shelf or the grocer has it sitting on his shelf for some weeks or months. You will not get the amount of uh, good that you could get from flaxseed if you take it fresh from the refrigerator, grind it in a little seed mill right on your own table and sprinkle it on your cereal. Ginseng is also good. Gachucola is also good. Ashwagandha is good. Ashwagandha, I'd like to say a word about. Ashwagandha is, has some anti-cancer properties, anti-inflammatory properties. And by the way, the inflammation of the brain that causes people to get Alzheimer's disease, that can, by the anti-inflammatory herbs, this can help you, help you to reduce and slow down the aging process. Ashwagandha gives people energy, and especially so when they're recuperating from a, uh, uh, an illness. And in old age, people who need some uh, energy, uh, ashwagandha can be helpful to them. Hawthorne berry, we usually think of hawthorne berry as being the herb for the heart, and it is. It is one of the very best, but hawthorne berry also has an anti-inflammatory uh, property that makes most people uh, prefer the hawthorn berry for its anti-inflammatory properties than its uh, cardiac properties. CoQ10, CoQ10 is also called obiquinone. Obiquinone, the, the word ubiquitous means that it's present everywhere and uh, so you need to look for it in all your food that's we would expect to be from plant sources. Schizandra chinensis, that's another of these uh, types of herbs that can slow down aging. Uh, some tests for Alzheimer's disease, some signs of reduced memory, that's one, slowed or halting speech, slowed movements, difficult decision making, and the hygiene deteriorates. I remember one time when a lady who worked with me uh, took her aging aunt into her own, uh, into her own home, uh, which also happened to be my home, and uh, she would always call me on uh, Friday nights to come in to help her get her aunt into the tub. She gave her at least one full bath a week, and uh, that often meant two people to get her into the tub. That's from Alzheimer's disease. Uh, that's one of the signs. So if your aging person is deteriorating in the uh, hygiene, uh, be a little bit afraid of that because it might mean there's a problem brewing. Clock face drawing, it's interesting that people who, can, who have Alzheimer's cannot draw the uh, 12 positions of the hours and put the proper hands on them. They may put the hours on the outside or uh, all of them over on one side only. It's amazing that uh, this is such a good test for that. Making change is another one. Making change with coins. Almost anybody who is old enough to get Alzheimer's is old enough also to make change with coins. If they cannot do it, then there must be a problem. Then another one is REM, or rapid, rapid eye movement sleep. Um, this should begin in 84 hours after going to sleep, and if it's as long as 120, uh, uh, 120 minutes after going to sleep, let me repeat that. It should be 84 minutes if it's as much as 122 minutes after going to sleep 
then it's likely to represent an Alzheimer's type of pattern. Uh, REM sleep should is that kind that you can actually see. So if somebody sits up and watches grandpa as he goes to sleep, and if he uh, delays in having the rapid eye movement, which you can actually see even in dim light, then it may be that he is getting a problem. Some tests for Alzheimer's disease. A spinal tap can be done. There's a genetic test, but there's a pupil dilation test. If you go to the uh, ophthalmologist and he puts the drops in the eyes and your pupils don't dilate, he has to come back and put drops in the eyes again to make your pupils dilate, then that may be a, a bad sign. Allergy tests also re reveal that many allergies are often present for the person who uh, is getting Alzheimer's disease. Now there are certain neurotoxic chemicals in the environment that can um, make people uh, get Alzheimer's disease, uh, such things as high iron, that can be in your water, it can be in your food, you can see it uh, if a, a faucet drips on a porcelain sink, you can see that the iron accumulates there, and that may be a sign that your environment is toxic. Depression, migraines, thyroid disease, diabetes, hypertension, epilepsy in childhood, severe malnutrition, especially in childhood, electric fields, or shock therapy, electroshock therapy in uh, psychiatric disorders. All of these may be uh, something that can uh, cause you to have uh, Alzheimer's disease. Use of the pill for long periods of time, or use of uh, hormone replacement therapy for long periods of time. Those may increase your likelihood of uh, getting uh, Alzheimer's disease early. Having frequent TIAs, or transient ischemic attacks, trauma to the brain. Then deficiencies in vitamin B12, deficiencies in B6, and deficiencies in folic acid, poor chewing, poor cooking of grains, and low exercise, all of these may be a problem. One thing about uh, low cooking of grains, if you do not cook your grains enough, then you, the uh, particles of the grain that does not completely hydrolyze during the cooking process may be small enough to get into your blood vessels, but not small enough to avoid getting into some of your smallest capillaries. So you have a capillary meshwork, such as the capillary meshwork in the adrenal glands, in the brain, in the joints, uh, in uh, certain of your nerves. Uh, poor cooking of grains can allow these to come along, so they come along a main channel, and then they get to a place where the capillaries branch, and because it's too big to go through a small capillary, it has been big enough to get to here, but it can't go through these small capillary meshworks, and then you, it stops right here, and you get a little microabscess in the area where you did have blood vessels that were filled. So important to cook your grains long. How long is long? Well, we tested in the laboratory at UT Pines one time and found that if we did not cook rice more than two and a half to three hours, it was not cooked enough. If we did not cook our corn grits, which we are fond of in the South, the corn grits need about five hours of cooking. That means a slow cooker overnight. In fact, all of these, all of our grains can be cooked in a slow cooker overnight. Now someone is going to say, but that means that there won't be any nutrient left if we cook it that long. And I will say, no, some of the tender vitamins will be lost, but there are also some very uh, important micronutrients that we cannot get except in long cooked, prolongedly cooked grains. So let me recommend to you that you cook uh, your grains a long time. If you are prone to sleep apnea, correct whatever condition it is that's making you have sleep apnea. Now if you have a person in your family who has Alzheimer's disease, let me encourage you to join a support group. 
join the support group early because you will learn a lot of things on how to take care of your aging relative or aging friend by uh, joining a support group. One uh, lady told me that her husband was such a talker after he got old that it just wore her out every day. She was so tired by the end of the day. So uh, somebody told her in the support group to get a, a large mirror and put it in front of him and let him talk to himself. And so he, she did, she put the mirror there and he talked to himself and she uh, stopped, not, she began to not go crazy anymore. Then you should uh, Alzheimer proof your, your whole house too. And one thing is if your Alzheimer person is likely to be a wanderer, take the shoes away and that will help you. Now, most people don't know that the United States is most likely to have a hip fracture since we have such good nourishment, but it's because of our high use of dairy and our high protein diet, and that leaches our bones from uh, calcium, and that makes us be more likely to have hip fractures. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.